Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Proverbs, the 26th chapter and the 6th verse. That's found on page 578 in the Bibles in the pew. The reading is this. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It does encourage us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you also. We have had uh, a lot of blessed times, and last weekend was really a tremendous weekend. Our family day uh, was a great success, and we are thankful for that. Uh, many of you sent pictures in, and those came out in the e-messenger on Mondays. If you don't receive our weekly updates through the week by email, uh, please just let us know that, and we'll be glad to get you on those, and that way you can stay caught up with a lot of, of good news and et cetera taking place. These are pictures that were sent to us after uh, we put together the e-messenger, and so this isn't uh, trying to represent each event. These are just a few other ones, and as they're scrolling, I do want to just share with you even though we didn't ask, we really appreciate the comments that came along also with the pictures. And here are some comments that came uh, in, in the correspondence with the pictures. I don't know when I've enjoyed a day more. Another said, it's a day we'll all remember. Another said, what an incredible day. God is good. Another said, if I could think of one thing that could have been better, it would be, well, nothing. Another said, what a blessing of a day. Another said, no one got lost or hurt. It was a great day. Another said, very successful family day, exclamation mark. Another said, from a wonderful time of worship to a great big party, what a great family day. And we are thankful uh, for the blessing of that day and for the good that took place in the time of worship, in the time of studying God's word together, but also in the time of fellowship of eating together and spending an afternoon together. And what a blessing that has been. And now here we are in another weekend and it too has been tremendous. About 60 to 70 of our fathers and daughters have been on a retreat this weekend and they have had a wonderful time. Uh, you see the scenery that they have enjoyed there in Hickman County at Bill McDonald's retreat area. They enjoyed coloring together. They enjoyed hanging out together. Uh, on the right there, you mothers appreciate, they even collected frogs. Uh, that little frog's about the size of a racer. That's at the bottom of a, of a little coffee cup. Uh, but also one of the really neat things of the day was something that a few of the men that had been going for several years decided to do. They contacted Bill McDonald and said, do you mind if, if we erect a dinner bell and, and do so in honor of Leah White? And he said he thought that would be a great idea. And so this is the stone that they put at the foot of the dinner bell. And it said, Leah's smile warmed our hearts. By God's grace, or God's grace gives us hope to see it again. Let this dinner bell, given in her memory, call people together to share meals, love, and smiles as God's family. And uh, on this next slide, you can see there that, that Riley and 
Caitlin and Grayson and John there are at the, the foot of the, the dinner bell. And, and on the next slide, you see a better picture of the entire uh, dinner bell there and a little picture of Leah. And then also another family picture that, of course, includes Andrea and Sam and Chris. And we love and appreciate uh, the whites. And it's, it's pretty awesome to think just over the past couple of weekends, the emphasis that we've had on family and what a blessing it is to be a part of God's family spiritually, to be adopted into God's family. But then what a blessing it is to have a physical family. And we are reminded as we began last month, this theme of study, and, and that is, let's let our faith shape our family. What if you are the member in your family based solely on your faith? This is what God has shaped you into being. So the last couple of sermons, we have been looking at the book of Proverbs. And the idea is let's fall in love with the idea of wisdom. Not what we would say is wise, but what God would say is wise. Allow godly wisdom to shape our life and, and to form ourselves. And ultimately, if you're other family members decide to allow God's wisdom to form them, in essence, then your family will be shaped by God. And so today uh, we go into what really was not the original plan, but after last Sunday, uh, our time together in study of God's word, there were several, several comments that came in saying, I wish we could spend some time looking at discipline. And so we are going to do that, and even though it may not seem like it this morning, this is the groundwork of the lesson for discipline. I believe that if discipline is treated as an isolated event, it misses its mark completely. Discipline ought to be a part of a journey that parents are taking their children on. And so this morning... Please grasp the fact if you're, you're, maybe you're struggling or maybe you just want clarity. Maybe you just want to know, hey, I, I, I want to see if I'm doing this the way God would want us to do the idea of disciplining our children. Please note that this morning's study is foundational in understanding even what role does discipline have within our parenting uh, opportunities and responsibilities. And so this morning we're going to look at a lesson that really two years ago, I gave you a brief edition of this. And really today, all it can be is a brief edition of this. So hopefully there'll be some of these things you'll say that that's kind of sounds familiar. But then the sad reality is we won't be able to go at all into the depths of what this topic really deserves and what it needs to have for clarity's sake. So this morning, let's think about the destination of parenting. And, and my goal is for this to be a very positive lesson. Uh, my goal is for us to see that this is a beautiful topic. And, and so I hope as parents, you, you have your heart open. I hope you have your mind open. Uh, I hope that you can embrace this. And I hope that there's no parent here uh, that, that thinks they've arrived. Uh, all of us as parents can really benefit from this reminder. All of us can probably do a little better. Surely none of us here are, are failures at this. And, and so this isn't a time also to do the old comparison game. Well, I'm doing better than the, some of my peers. Well, I am doing better. Pat myself on the back than some of my peers. This is about you, your relationship with God, and your relationship with your children. And seeking to bring those two together 
now and for an eternity. And so what would this look like? You remember Proverbs, the 22nd chapter in verse six, we have this great verse of wisdom. And in this great verse of wisdom, he simply says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. The Hebrew word there for train means to narrow. And, and so we look at this and say, well, what does that mean? Well, you, you can imagine if someone is training for the Olympics and their peers say, hey, let's go to the mall and let's get some pizza and let's just hang out for the day. The person that maybe at one time did that now says, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Right now I'm in what? I'm in training. In other words, right now, there are things that I have narrowed my focus in life, and those things just will not allow me to arrive at the destination for which I'm moving. In other words, a boxer trains for an event, and so they're narrowing their way for that destination that's coming in the future. Parents, we are putting our children on a journey and we need to know what is the destination because we are supposed to be pointing them toward that. That's the whole idea of the word of this teaching here of train up a child in the way he should go. And so we know what the destination is and we know the narrowness of it. We know what needs to be put in this. We know what needs to be kept out of this. But notice again, the idea here in 22 and six, he doesn't just say train up. He says, train up a child in the way he should go. That points to that idea of a journey. I love some of the readings that really became very popular in the mid and the late 80s and throughout the 90s of Stephen Covey because he probably made some of the strongest arguments for beginning with the end in mind of anybody in recent decades. And you'll remember his books, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he had seven habits of highly effective leaders, seven habits of highly effective teenagers, and on and on. I believe it was his second highly effective habit was that people that are, that are very successful, they know where they're going. They have begun their life with a destination in mind. Now from that, he uses several illustrations. But one of the illustrations he uses is an airline pilot. And when we think about commercial aircrafts, isn't it amazing that they rarely miss their destination? All of us here that drive vehicles, if, if I were to say to you, have you ever been lost in your car? Odds are every one of you would raise your hand and say, well, sure, there have been times I've been lost. When's the last time you've been on a commercial aircraft and you know how the pilot comes on a little bit into the flight and he says, he welcomes you and he tells you your estimated time of arrival and what the weather's going to be when you get there and even, he even tells you the location you're going to arrive at. Can you imagine him coming on and saying, well, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you and we wanted to tell you the estimated time of arrival, but the truth is we're kind of lost right now. Uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly how that happened, but, but as soon as we can figure out where we are, we'll tell you then if we are going to make it to the place that we were hoping to arrive, and we can tell you then what time we would arrive. Now, nobody here has ever been on a commercial airline that that's happened. I'm not saying it's never happened, but I, just odds are nobody here that's ever happened. Now, you tell me how can that be true? How can you have thousands of flights every day and for the most part, 
the rule of thumb is about 99.9% of them arrive just where they were supposed to arrive. How, how does that happen? Well, it happens because no commercial airline flight begins without the end in mind. In studying for this lesson this week, I, I texted and called and emailed Jeff Watson. And many of you here know and love Tanya and Jeff Watson, which by the way, Tanya's grandmother, they're in Conway, Arkansas this morning. And um, her grandmother has just entered into hospice care. And her mother is also facing some very serious uh, health challenges. I want to encourage you to be praying uh, for Tanya and, and her family uh, this week and over the next few weeks. They, they just have a, a, a lot of uh, challenges in, in their family right now with physical health, a good, good family. You know, Tanya works as a flight attendant for Southwest. And uh, if you know her, you, you know her soft, sweet voice. I, I wish I could imitate it. There's no way I could sound as sweet as her. I, I remember one, one evening I was coming into Nashville. And, and usually, I've shared with you before, usually on a flight, I either study or sleep. It's just one of those two. And, and so I'd studied on, on part of that trip, but on the last leg, I was just beating. I thought, I'm sleeping on this next flight. And I'm sound asleep. And then in, in my dream, I hear this sweet voice. And then you know how you kind of like, wait a minute, I'm on a flight. And I didn't even open my eyes. And, and I'm like, I'm just going to go back to sleep. And then I heard that voice again. I said, wait a minute, that's, that's Tanya Watson. And, and I opened my eyes and, and sure enough it was. All right, her husband, Jeff. Jeff is a pilot for Southwest. And so uh, I contacted Jeff this week and I said, hey, is this simple? How do you guys not miss your location? Like what do you go through in, in flight pre pre-flight checks. And, and he proceeds, he proceeds to send me a long email of all the things that the, the first officer and the captain does, but also the, the gate agents as, as well as, uh, ops agents and baggage handlers and fuelers and everybody else does to make sure that everything goes as it should. And then he even talks about what air traffic control does. He talks step by step what they do. And then Friday, he dropped off these documents. This several page document here is what they receive every flight about the weather the weather where they're taking off, the weather at their arrival destination, and the weather that they project that they will experience between those two destinations. Great detail about the poundage of fuel. Aren't you thankful? Wouldn't it be bad? You know, we just didn't think about filling up this morning. Sorry about that. Uh, and, and then great detail about even the weight of the plane. How much of the passengers in the baggage weighs? How much, how much or how many pounds of fuel is it going to take to taxi out? Which runway we're going? Are we going to a two-minute taxi or we're going for a 12-minute taxi? You need to know that. Where's the alternate airport? It's always named. Because what if on the way you find out you can't land at the airport that is the designated airport? Well, there's always an alternate airport named and there's always enough fuel calculated to go to the alternate airport. Listen, parents, are you listening? There is a reason why almost every commercial airline flight is successful. It's because they get everything in place before they even begin. They know what the end is. Parents, 
saying you love your child is not the destination. Let's hope you love your child from day one. But there's a destination that you are to be leading them toward. Train them up in the way they should go. Do you know the destination? What direction are you taking your child? Could your child tell us right now the destination? Wouldn't it be horrible if you're the trainer and the trainee doesn't even know what you're trying to train the child to do? Look again at Proverbs 22 and 6, and I want to remind you uh, of that word train that means to narrow. And I want to give you just one more application of it. Do you remember in 2 Chronicles, the seventh chapter in verse four, one of the greatest structures that has ever been built upon this earth was Solomon's temple. The estimated value of that temple today would be worth about 60 billion, with a B, 60 billion dollars. It took 180,000 men to build this temple. And it took years upon years to build it. And when it came time to bring this temple into completion and into service. I want you to read with me 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 4. And I want you to notice this word dedicated. And as we read this, I want you to note that the Hebrew word for train up is the same word here that the temple was dedicated. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls, 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people, what? Dedicated the house of God. What does that mean? They trained up the house of God? Well, that's the word here. But in its context, it's not training up because that's what you do with living things. So what is it when, when this temple was narrowed. What was it when it said this temple is going to have a purpose that goes throughout time? What is it going to be? This temple, even though it's a grand structure, it's not going to be the amphitheater that holds all the entertainment. Even though this temple is a great structure, it's not going to be the place that houses the marketing of the day. Remember when Jesus cleaned out the temple? In other words, this was the way Solomon and all the people were saying, God, we narrow the purpose of this temple. We have, a, we have a way that we believe you would want this temple to be used. And so therefore we dedicate it. Parents, have you dedicated your children to a certain walk in life? Have you dedicated or trained up your children to a certain destination in life? I hope that we all can say yes. When we think about really what is training, training is when we learn how to focus on what we're trying to become. In other words, the military trains for what? A dog trainer trains for what? Employees that are trained train for what? God wants children to be trained for what? In other words, basic training, if you, if you go look online and you read on the military websites of why they do basic training, on this next slide, for time's sake, I'm only going to read the highlighted parts there. Notice in basic training, it makes individuals strong and capable. It gives service members the basic tools necessary to perform the roles that will be asked, future here, asked of them for the duration of their tour. 
What are you doing in basic training? We are getting them ready. We are taking so many things out of their life that they do not need at this point to accomplish the task that is in front of them. Or what about your dog? You want to train your dog? Here's, here's the website for social graces. I think this is pretty local, but I didn't research that completely. But if you have a bad dog, you might want to keep this in mind. You can let them know, does your dog need behavioral modification? Is your dog creating an unhappy atmosphere? That's not your children. Your dog is creating an unhappy atmosphere. But what's interesting is your children that create unhappy atmosphere, the same thing that helps children not create an unhappy an unhappy atmosphere is the same thing that causes dogs to not create an unhappy atmosphere. You train them. It's, it's that simple. You train them one way or another. And, and so notice, notice their line there here on the website. Tell us what you expect for the end result. Are, are you wanting us to train your jo- dog for an agility course? Are you wanting us to train your dog just to have house manners and be a good lap dog? Are you wanting us to train your dog to be a hunting dog? You need to tell us what is the destination that you want your dog to arrive at and let us know that when you drop your dog off. Or what about employees? Any of you ever been at a place where you haven't been trained effectively and how frustrating was that? Can you imagine going into employee training for two weeks? At the end of two weeks, you're having supper with your family. And they say, hey, how's the training going? What are you going to be doing at your work? And what if the employee can honestly say, I don't have a clue what I'm going to be doing. I don't even know what our company does. This is the worst, what, training I've ever experienced. Why? Here, here's one of the highest goals. Like when they list their goals of what employee training ought to be, one of the highest goals among a list of goals is the goal of the employee training or development program are clear. The goals are clear. You see, that's why I said a while ago, what if we ask your children, hey, what are your mom and dad training you to become? And what if your children said, I, I, don't, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I, I didn't even know I was being trained. I definitely didn't know I was trained to become something. If that would be the answer of your children, this just may be a heads up lesson to be like, maybe you need to have a little clearer dialogue of what your daily prayer is for that child. What's your daily instruction guiding them toward what? Like, number one, you as parents need to know this is what we're leading our children toward. And then number two, if you've not communicated that to the child, how in the world is the child supposed to arrive there? Think about it. A lot of kids probably arrive kind of anywhere because the training has been that vague, without direction, without destination. So we go back again to Proverbs 22 and 6, and it kind of makes sense when he says, train up. Hey, narrow for the child. What? Train up a child in the way he should go. Narrow that direction, but then identify that direction so that he can know where he is going. Do children need training? We all know that's true. Does this bring back any memories for parents? Wow. When Colton and Lacey were both babies, I wasn't making a lot of money and diapers and formula was breaking me. I thought I got the biggest pay raise in my life when they finally got potty trained. It's like, wow, that eliminates one trip a week to Walmart. But notice that word, potty what? 
training. Have you ever put training wheels on a bicycle? Why, why did you do that, dads? Why, why, what were you trying to do there? Were, 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 you, were you doing something that was very focused? Hey, we're, we're putting these training wheels on so that we can accomplish this. When you sit down at nights and you read your Bible with your kids, why are you doing that? There's a very direct reason why you do that. There is, there is a training. There is an investment in the direction, but also the destination of our children. And so I'd like for you to think about first the ultimate destination. You remember where your children came from? In Genesis, the second chapter, verse 7, what makes your children different from the dog and the cat and the elephant and the hippopotamus is Genesis 2 and 7, when God made the human being. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Though King James even says man became a living soul. And the reason perhaps they chose that translation of soul there is the idea that our physical body has its limitations. And one day, just like the elephant will die, just like all of the living creatures will die. But you know what? Your child will not go out of existence. They will one day cease living on this earth, but they will live. They will exist forever because a soul has been created within them. They are body and soul and the body one day will die, but they as a soul will continue to live. And so that really starts to clarify what is the ultimate destination? If my child is going to live or exist beyond this earth, what should the ultimate destination be? You remember 2 Samuel 12 and verse 23, David his child was dying. The longer context here, he, he fasts and he mourns and he, he lays on the ground and he, he, he weeps. He's begging God to spare the life of his child. God doesn't spare the life of his child. And when David figures out from the servants that his child has died, he gets up, he cleans up, he goes and worships God and he comes home and eats and the servant just can't, curiosity's killing him. Why, why are you doing this? Why, you, you showed heavy grief before the child died and, and now you're not showing that grief after the child died. And here's David's explanation. Look at the 12th chapter and 23. But now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David, your child just died. He says, I know, but my child has not gone out of existence. And I want to one day spend an eternity with my child. I know I too will pass through death and I will live in the realm of the dead. There is an existence beyond this earth. David could not have had, unless God chose to reveal it miraculously to him, he could not have all the knowledge about eternity that you and I have today. Because Jesus Christ brought us so much greater knowledge about eternity. And so really we ought to have a clear focus as parents today of the ultimate destination of our children than even King David could have. But you notice that phrase when he says, can I bring him back again? He brings out a second interesting point there, not only about the ultimate destination, but also about the reality is that we can't rewind time. Parents, are the twos killing you right now? Don't worry. You only have 365 days of the, and the child will never be two again. Your child's going to toddle off to, to preschool. And in just a few blinks of the eye, your child will never be in preschool again. 
Your child go off to elementary school and it would just seem like you turn around twice and they won't ever go to elementary school again. Junior high, high school. And one of these days, you're going to be looking at a child leaving home and, and you're going to think, wow, how did that happen so quickly? And you might even think, I, I wish I could go back because I don't think I really prepared them best in this particular area or this particular way. But here's the reality. You can't go back. You can't take a day back. You can't take a month back, a year back, or a phase of life back. You cannot go back. Can I bring him back again? David's saying, I know I can't bring him back again. So what, what are you looking forward to now, David? I'm looking forward to, to spending eternity with him. That's what I'm looking forward to now. You remember back a couple years ago when we spent a whole year looking an emphasis on the kingdom. We looked at this verse in Matthew, the 16th chapter, many times where Jesus looked to Jerusalem and three different times it's recorded in scripture of three different occasions, not just three different times it's recorded, but three different times Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die and I'm going to be resurrected. He was trying to get them ready for his journey. He was trying to train them. Look, we're going to Jerusalem. And at the beginning of the week, you're going to think this is an awesome week. By the end of the week, you're going to figure out it's a tough week. He was trying to prepare them. He was trying to train them. But you remember here in Matthew, the 16th chapter is where Peter thought he was being a real good friend. And, and he stood between Jesus and Jerusalem. He said, far be it, Lord, from you, this thing will not happen. In other words, he was saying, you think you're going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to kill you? I'm not going to let it happen. I, I want to believe that Peter was just trying to be a good friend. Jesus, I'm standing up for you as my friend. I'm not going to let this happen. Parents, are you listening? We want to be good friends. We want to really offer to our children what's best. Sometime what we in our earthly eyes see as best, Jesus would say, whoa, you've missed completely what is really best. So here is this, quote, good friend standing up for his friend. And now here is Jesus looking at his good friend and he says some of the strongest words against his friend. Notice how he says it here. 23, Matthew 16. He turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Let that sink in. Peter, what are you worried about right now? You're worried about what people that only have the destination to be a good earthly life are worried about. What you're missing is the eternal picture. What you're missing is the fact that I've already told you. Not only am I going to die, I'm going to be resurrected. What you're missing is the very purpose that I'm here on this earth. Peter, you're standing between me and the salvation of the world. You're mindful of things of man. You're not mindful of the things of God. In our parenting journey, what would our children say we're mindful of? Would they know that beyond any doubt, beyond any doubt, they know that your greatest, highest concern is where they spend eternity. That they love God with all of their being. They're devoted to being a part of God's children, to belong to His church and to be faithful to Him. 
Do your children know that beyond any shadow of a doubt? Look at verse 26. We skip down just a few verses. Look at 26. He says, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see what the verse says there, but what if we make application to parenting? And what if we read it like this? For what profit is it to a parent if their son or their daughter gains the whole world and loses their own soul? Or what would a parent give in exchange for their child's soul? Now listen, our children reach an age of accountability where they have to decide whether or not they're going to live for God. Just because we point them in the right direction doesn't mean that they'll go into their adulthood choosing to live the right direction. If we believe that, as I said earlier last week, we would believe in once saved, always saved. We can start them in the right direction. They have to decide if they're going to continue loving God and serving God. But so our responsibility is not for our children. Our responsibility is to our children. So what is our responsibility to our children? Our responsibility is to train them. In other words, to designate the destination, to narrow the way and point them in that way. And when we see our children sometime go in the wrong direction, oftentimes it's at those times that we begin to wrestle with that last part of that verse right there. What will we give in exchange for our child's soul? And then oftentimes we begin to wish that that truth that David talked about in 2 Samuel wasn't true. Those are oftentimes the times that we look back and say, if I could have just gone back now to when they were in junior high. If, if I could have just go back right now to when they were in elementary school. If I could just go back right now, I think that I could do some things different that maybe they would be in a different place. And listen, there's not a parent here that can say, I did it all right. We all can look back and say, we wish we'd have done some things differently. But parents, if you still have children at home, I'm begging you to take some time this this afternoon, this week, and really think about what is the ultimate destination for your child? And what is it that you're going to do on a daily basis in their life to train them in that way? You're going to take the things out and put the things in that points them in that way. Now this evening, we're going to come back and we're going to look at a second destination that is a unique destination. And then we're going to try to have some time in there to then come back and say, how does all of that affect discipline? Discipline is always to accomplish something. I know with this crowd, surely we don't have to emphasize this. We'll come back around to it tonight. Punishment is not like like a valve release of stress for a parent. I'm mad at you right now, and I'm going to punish you right now. I think that's the way a lot of people in the secular world have become to look at punishment. It's just a parent that's kind of out of control at the moment. No. Punishment is a vital part 
of this training. Punishment is a vital part whenever the child is, is because the child doesn't know better. That's why God gave them parents. The child just naturally pushes boundaries. They don't know better. They'll cross over boundaries. Somebody has to be the authority that says, whoa, 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 wait, wait. We're not walking in that way. Come right back over here. And that's where punishment is rooted. It's all in this training. And so we need to know the ultimate destination. We need to come back tonight and say the unique destination. And then we need to seek wisdom from Proverbs and other passages from God's holy word to see what does this wisdom look like if in this aspect of correction. Parents, this world is very distracting. And I want to give you a reminder this morning that especially while our children are at home, you'd be hard pressed to find a daily responsibility that is any heavier or greater than your responsibility to train up your child in the way he should go. Now, should you love your child? Absolutely. And that should be the motive of why you train them up. And should you spend time with your child? Absolutely. And that's kind of how you accomplish this. But in the big picture, what you're doing every day is you're getting up saying, I've got some training to do today. I, I'm, I'm seeing my children on a journey today. And along the way, they're going to have missteps. Along the way, they're going to have great steps. But along the way, it's my job to remind them every day where we are headed. Let that be your prayer. Let that be your motive. Let that be your life. So that in essence, it becomes your child's life. Can we close in a prayer? Let's bow. Our most gracious God, we thank you so much for the gift of our children. And we live in a world that I guess God has always been distracting, but it seems so distracting today. And we pray for wisdom for our parents. We know they love you. We know that they love their children. And God, we pray that you give them clarity today to seek your wisdom, to truly lead their children towards you. God, we pray for great success as parents and you receive all the glory. Our children receive the blessings so that they will be most equipped to raise up the next generation to seek you also. God, thank you for this time of study. Thank you for this good church family of yours here at Mount Juliet. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your family. And it's through your son's holy name we pray. Amen. This morning, are you walking in step with your heavenly father? And if not, in this morning to start, if you've never become a Christian, why not this morning? If you have let something separate you from the walk with God's family, why not repent of that and come back and confess and let's pray forgiveness. But let's all leave here knowing our ultimate destination and that we've devoted our entire life and our soul to it. If we can help in any way, it comes we stand as we sing.